Typically, I preach in a series. I'm not going to do that in the month of January because we have some wonderful guest preachers coming in to speak with us. In, in two weeks, uh, Ray Jones, who is the coordinator for evangelism for the National Church, will be here to share with us. And then the following week, Reverend Dr. Ben Mathis, who is a dear friend of Kirkwood and, and our missionary from Rivers of the World, will be here as well. So this gives us a chance to do kind of, kind of a one-shot set of, of sermons. And we're going to do that this morning by taking a look at Philippians chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and turn to that in your pew Bible, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to study the word together. Gracious God, thank you for this good opportunity. And here at the start of this new year, help us to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, 2014 was just a terrible year for Kirkwood. By the time that we reached the longest night service of remembrance, the list of names to remember was over 40 people. Then, if you remember, back in July, we got robbed in broad daylight on a Sunday morning right after church. And then as we started coming into the fall, I started getting phone calls from snowbirds, dear friends of this church family, who were very upset to share with me that they could not come back this year. Many of them had been diagnosed with serious illness, a few with terminal illnesses. Of course, 2014 was also a triumphant year for Kirkwood. Paul came on board permanently as our director of music. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> we ended up on news stations and newspapers from here to Albuquerque to Los Angeles, all because of a simple sign of forgiveness that we put on the front lawn. Pastor Sung returned just in time for us to be able to launch an additional service. Through the work of the Holy Spirit and some really crazy, possibly poor planning on my part, we ended up with an early service called the chapel, which gathers faithfully every Sunday morning. We were able, but for the grace of God, to fully fund every single mission and outreach ministry that we had dreamed of being able to fund, including, including our partnership with the Thornwell Home for Children to place a full-time licensed clinical social worker right here at the church to provide a vital resource to our families and to the community. And then through all of that, new faces and new names and new lives came to make a home in this place. And then some older faces who had been around for a while found their spirits and their souls renewed. See, this was a terrible, triumphant year for Kirkwood. And having said that, having said all of that, I would like now for you to let it go. Some of you must be thinking, well, how, how can I let 2014 go? I can remember it like it was just last week. It's not that 2014 wasn't valuable, wasn't instructive, wasn't important. In fact, it was very important. Some important things happened and some regrettable things happened too. But now it's 2015, and we've got some very important stuff going on here now as well in this new year. It pretty much comes down to this. As long as there is one person 
just, just one person that is out there in the world who has never experienced, never known, never heard of the love that is available to them from God in Jesus Christ, as long as there is one person, then we have an incredibly important, very pressing matter that demands our full attention and energy in 2015. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was a very busy man, and he had some pretty terrible years. In fact, his terrible years were extremely terrible for Christians. He was a guy who was passionate in what he believed in. And he believed that everyone who was a follower of Jesus needed to die. So he went so far in his belief that he asked, he actually asked, if he could be the one to go out to surrounding cities, gather up all these Jesus followers, and persecute him. He invested his time, his energy, his finances. All of these were put into his great effort to meet his great passion. And yet, for as visual and, and as notoriously memorable as that time was in Paul's life, it was not the end-all, be-all year for him. See, there was another year. There was this year when Paul was walking along the road to Damascus. And he had this run-in with a messenger of the Lord. In the book of Acts, it's recorded that something like scales fell from his eyes. That seems like a pretty big deal, something that one would remember, might include in the end-of-year Christmas letter. And then his, tu- his heart was touched by the Holy Spirit. And he went from being the chief prosecutor of the followers of Jesus to actually becoming one himself. Seems to me like when you have a year like that, you should just go out on top. Just let it be. Because what could possibly be any better than that first moment, that holy fire moment, when it hits you that you are loved and adored by the creator of the universe? It's like fireworks on the 4th of July, except these are just for you, and it's just you that gets to treasure them in your heart. But then Paul's story goes on. There's another year. He starts traveling and he begins to build communities of worship and he starts going from town to town preaching the good news that a better way has come and that because of Jesus, all of our sins, all of those heavy burdens that we carry, that they've been lifted and paid for. There is something really, really exciting about being a part of something new and watching it grow from an idea to a reality to a movement. And Paul Paul got to be an integral, integral part of all of this. It seemed like Paul's star was just continuing to rise until the year that it didn't. In his great passion and zealousness for God and for the good news of the gospel, Paul attracted some attention from the powers that be at that time. And, and much like he had persecuted those early Christians, Paul now found himself in the line of persecution. He describes it this way in, in the book, to the, the letter to the Corinthians. He describes it as a thorn in the flesh. Now I want you to think about what a thorn in the flesh can do to your day. Every once in a while, for, for some unknown reason, unplanned reason, I end up attracting one of those pesky sand spurs. I bet you've done it too. I didn't go walking through a field of unruly sand spurs. I didn't plan out my day to include them. But then, just out of nowhere, one comes along. And if one of those little suckers gets into the flesh, it can be a downer on an otherwise beautiful day. 
But Paul says that he wouldn't trade his thorn in the flesh because that's what keeps him steady. That's what keeps him steady. Instead of getting too high, it holds his elation in check. And it serves as a reminder to him that there's still more work to be done. There are things that can be made better and brighter and more beautiful because of the word of the Lord. That's a pretty amazing way to come at it for a guy who is sitting in a prison cell. So then when Paul gets to the Philippians, he addresses it this way. This is is Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, meaning he's not there yet, or that I have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but there is one thing that I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul's got a goal in mind here that he's talking about. He's working towards it, and it's a very specific goal that, that really is an all-or-nothing sort of affair. It's kind of like when you talk about being pregnant. There is no kind of sort of. You either are or you are not. And that's what Paul's goal is. It's an all-in goal. See, sometimes when we, have, we start a new year, we have this tendency to make resolutions. And I've noticed that the word resolution has kind of been fading out of vocabulary. Now we call them goals. And usually those goals are, are time-sensitive, and they're typically very temporary. So let's say that your goal is going to be to save an extra $3,000 in the next 12 months. That's not a bad goal. That's not a bad goal. And if you're persistent and you're committed, you could reach it. But then what? Then what? We get to the end of 2015. You have $3,000 extra. Then what? Paul's goal is a little bit more eternal in scale. And he revealed it in verse 10. So you got to go back into the scripture and look up just a little bit. And this is what he says his goal is. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's goal The one thing that he wants to get done in this life is to know Christ. He wants to be a part of Christ, all of Christ, the triumph and the tragedy. Jesus suffered. And Paul claims that to truly suffer with Jesus has the potential then to carry with it some earthly suffering. But that suffering, that suffering which does come, ultimately leads to a resurrection. Most of us, we'll, we'll follow Jesus. We'll follow Jesus to the foot of the cross. We don't want to go up on the cross, but we'll follow him to the foot of the cross. Paul wanted to follow Jesus all the way to the tomb because resurrection is found at the tomb when Jesus fully defeats all of the pain and suffering and death. There's a couple things that I think we can learn from Paul's goal that will help us in our own goals. One of those things is that it comes with sacrifice. And sacrifice is not a word that we all particularly like to hear. It's not one of those warm, fuzzy words. But if you're going to save $3,000 this next year, that means that you're not going to be spending it on something else. 
Something has to give. If you're going to lose 30 pounds in this next year, that probably means you're not going to get to eat dessert three times a day. Nothing worth having is going to come cheaply. We also learned that for Paul, this is an eternal goal. This is, this is a long-term sort of deal. It's not a checklist item. And that's, that's something that's a challenge to us as Christians because we tend to be checklist people. We, we want to check off that we did the right things, that you know, we got the kids baptized at the right time and we said the right words and we sang the right songs. and Check, 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 check. But Paul has a much larger idea of what this is going to look like. For him, his realistic understanding is that his goal ends in glory. You could very well lose 30 pounds by May. You could do that. You could also gain 40 pounds between June and December. Paul doesn't change the goalpost. He's picked one goal, and he's committed to that goal permanently, and he's going to change his life to meet that goal, so much so that this has become his life's work, his passion, his lifetime resolution, if you will. And that's a good thing, because it takes a lifetime to follow Jesus, because Jesus is always on the move. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus moves about in the lives of people every day. He's moving in your life right now. And we don't always see it, because we get distracted and we stop looking for those places where God is already at work. Sometimes we get kind of full of ourselves and think, ah, I got a better plan than God has. I'll go do it myself. And we end up going down rabbit trails and we waste a whole lot of time. Instead, Jesus told us what we needed to do. He was so simple about it. He couldn't have been more clear. He said, follow me. Follow me. And you remember one of the first times when Jesus says that? He says it to the disciples, and they're fishermen, right? And, and they're listening, and, and you can see how that conversation would have gone. Well, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to follow you, but I, you know, there's fishing rods, and, and the bait's going to go bad, and I've got to tell my mom where I'm going, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and stuff, 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 stuff. And Jesus comes back with, you know what? Here's the deal. Follow me. Follow me. That's what we're called to do. And so in order to do that, we have to let go of stuff. We have to let go of what we thought was so important. And we have to let go of all that stuff that we think defines who we are. Because if we're carrying all of that, we cannot follow faithfully. So Paul's goal is to follow Jesus in life to death and through death to resurrection. Which means for Paul, there's going to be some good years and there's going to be some bad years. But the goal the end doesn't change. And it meant that because the goal never changed, Paul constantly had to be in this process of letting go. He simply couldn't carry all of the leftovers from year to year, the good ones or the bad ones. You know, Sung and I just went home last week. We went to visit my mom. And I love my mom. And when my mom gets here in two weeks, you all tell her I love my mama. But, but, bless her heart. She throws nothing away. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, nothing gets thrown away. And so we walk in, and it's just like the house exploded on us. And so Sung and I came up with this great plan that that one of us distracts mom, and the other one just constantly makes trips to Goodwill. Just keep right on going. It's a good plan, right? But the problem is we're going to be gone for a year. So when we get back, what's going to happen is that stuff's going to have multiplied. The idea is if you're going to let go of something, you let it go. 
You let it go. Don't go get more of it. Let it go. Paul let go. He let go of those good years and the bad years because he couldn't carry those leftovers from year to year. We can't do that either. And that's not to say that there aren't incredible things that have happened to you or that there haven't been some road bumps that that you've kind of hit along the way. But none of us has reached that ultimate goal. There's more work to be done. Our lives did not come to an end at the close of 2014. And you know what? There's too many lives out there that need to be saved, that need to be saved and changed for the better for us to say, you know, 2014, that was, that was a good year. We're done. Pack it up. No, we got a whole other chapter to write. One of the greatest things and challenges of having a long-term life resolution is the ability to stick with it. And that's kind of what makes this resolution a little bit different than everything else, kind of makes everything else pale in comparison, because anybody can stick with a diet plan for a week or two, but we know, we know that most New Year's resolutions fade away by the end of January. A lifelong commitment, particularly one that involves your relationship with the Lord, asks for a daily attentiveness, a slower pace, which is really frustrating to a lot of us, and the ability to let it go, which is really a form of grace. God has never stopped working in your life. Even during those years that you wish you could erase, he's always been that operating system, working in the background from before you were even born. But there were periods in our lives, and whether it's through your schedule or your circumstance or your emotion, when we just stopped looking for his presence. That doesn't mean that he's abandoned us. It means that we stopped paying attention. And as we start 2015, I want you to hear me clearly. It is okay for you to have questions, to wrestle with God, to get frustrated and downright angry with him. But in all of those things, in all of those things, good and bad, you pay attention. Listen to that still, small voice of God. Notice where the Spirit is leading you and stay in that relationship with the Lord. That's why the church exists. We need each other. We need each other for encouragement and connection. We need to have a place of accountability that's not meant to beat us down and make us feel bad about ourselves, but to encourage each other in the face of our shortcomings. The church exists as the visible presence of of the work of Jesus in the world today. And we need the community. We need the community to see the heart of God, particularly when we're having trouble seeing it for ourselves. Church helps us stay in relationship with the Lord and with those who are on the same journey with the same goal. Now, when you work towards this goal, pace yourself. There is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with having one of those mountaintop experiences of the living God. But most of us don't live on mountaintops. God has all of time in his hands. If you are more likely to stay in the word of God by reading just a verse or two every single day, as opposed to trying to read the entire book in a week, then go at a slower pace. If it's going to give you joy to read those one or two verses, as opposed to... to a heavy heart about having to read the whole thing, you go at that slow pace. If you're trying to figure out what a life of prayer looks like, and the best that you can come up with is just one single line, and that line is, okay, Lord, I'm here. 
I would so much rather you do that as a heartfelt expression of connecting to God than trying to force yourself into a lengthy litany that is meaningless to you. And understand, understand that there will be seasons when you will feel so close to the Almighty. And they might be followed by seasons where you feel a distance. The rhythm of these things is going to be set by you. God never changes his distance from us. Never. Be patient with yourself. God is. Forgive yourself. God does. But do make some stride. Do some kind of forward motion towards that lifetime resolution. And my suggestion to you is to let it go. That you would let go of your pride and your accomplishments and that you would embrace the humility of a Savior who washed the feet of his disciples. That you would let go of the pain and the guilt and the sin that has previously defined your life. And that you would go forward with a new definition. That you would be a child of God. See, in Christ, you've been renamed. So whether 2014 was your best year ever or one that you'd like to forget, whether 2014 was the most amazing one in this community or one that was filled with challenges, it doesn't matter because it's no longer here. We can't change it. And if we spend all of our energy trying to, then we have nothing left to move us forward to our lifetime goal in 2015. And to not move forward, to not move forward towards Jesus. That would really be living a tragedy when there is so much potential for triumph. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.